You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. It's Monday, which means it's also time for Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris has over 30 years' experience. She's written a book called Bringing Baby Home. Whether you're listening to us via Facebook Live video or on air. It's a pleasure to have you with us. If you've got a question for Chris, you can write the comments below if you're on Facebook Live or you can give us a call. The number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO or you can send us a text on 0437-665-200. Chris, hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Chris, first up, we've got a question from Sarah who is on the line now. It's about tummy sleeping for her five-month-old. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Hi, good. Tell your story to Chris. Okay, thanks. Hi, Chris. Thanks, first of all, for your book. Um, oh, it's pleasure. It's really helpful. And we've had my five-month-old in a great night routine. Oh, that's she was fantastic. Quite um, however, she does wake a lot at night. Yep. Um, and I've usually just resettled and generally kind of had a rule of that I'll feed twice a night. Yep. Um, but lately she's started rolling onto her tummy and mm. sort of putting her head up and I was rolling her back and just patting her and that was working but now that's not working and she's not liking me going in right okay so last night I let herself settle and she slept on her tummy which made me very nervous yes Um, this is where it all gets very tricky doesn't it yeah should I be trying to resettle or to teach her to roll back or letting her sleep with her head face down um how long did it take her to self-settle um only probably less than 10 minutes oh that's Um, perfect at probably like nine and then at 10, at 11, she was really upset and I fed her. Yeah. Um, and then each hour after that, again, like only a few minutes. And then she did her morning nap that way as well this morning. Okay. So it sounds like she's ready to do to do um, sleeping on her front. So what mm. we have to do is make the space safe for her. So how yes. do you put her to bed and what do you put her in? Um, she's in like a sleeping bag with her right. arms out. Okay. And, do and you... nothing else. Okay, that's fine. So that's actually the perfect way for her to sleep now. She's on her stomach. Is it there's okay. pretty much nothing in her cot? Well, nothing in no, her nothing, cot. Nothing, yeah. um, she's got she a sleeping her head bag on. Down. Like when she wakes up, she'll have like red marks on her cheeks and forehead. Yeah, I think you'll find in the, next, the <laughs> in the next day or so, she'll start turning her head to the side. Okay. <laughs> so right. generally, you are settling her the right way because she's saying to you, I need to be on my front. And this is where lots of parents will go in and turn them back on their back and back on their back because of that safe to sleep program yeah. that we teach. But now that she's old enough to push up with her hand, she's in a sleeping yes. bag and she's rolling over, she'll determine yep. where she wants to sleep. And so therefore, as long as the bed space is safe, then mm-hmm. she's as safe as she can be. So, okay. yeah, if you go in and keep rolling her over, she'll get most annoyed with that. Yeah, which is what just, was happening last night. <laughs> yeah, and you've just got this nice little pattern of self-settling going where it's only taking her a few minutes to go off to sleep. And I'm sure over the next few nights that that those little self-settles will slow down and stop and she'll st- sort of sleep more consistently between your okay. feed cycles. Um, my other part of that question then is, yeah. she, I was thinking of starting to wean her off one of her night feeds and just yes. do one. Yes, Um do you think that's okay? And yes. like, I don't know, how, what's the best way to do that? And which time, like generally she feeds at like 11 and 3. Okay, so what I do, so if you disregard the little self-settle she does, yes. the, f- the one where yes. she wakes up at 11, I'd resettle yeah. her on that one, but then okay. feed her the next, t- next time she fully wakes. So what that means is that tonight you might f- resettle her at 11, but then yeah. she might wake at 12. Even 30. with the screaming and the like, yeah. 
yeah. really upset. Yep. Yep. Just so if she's screaming her lungs out and it's taking mm. you more than 20 minutes, then she's telling you something about the um, feed, the previous feed to that. So that would be the 6.30, 7 o'clock feed. So, yeah, hers is about 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock is the last yeah. feed. So if you move that 6 o'clock feed to 6.30, mm. then it'll move the 11 o'clock feed probably till after 12. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So just are you doing feed bath feed or just a single feed at 6 o'clock? We're still doing feed bath feed. Okay. So if you move that to a bath at 6 and a full feed at 6.30, mm-hmm. it will probably move the 11 o'clock feed all by itself. Ah, okay. Yeah. You can try that then. Yeah. yeah. So give that a try first. And then resettle um, and do the next feed. Yeah. Like Re- keep the sort of resettle through the first feed window. Or something. Yeah. And let it push out. So if you resettle her at 11 where she normally would have woken for a feed and you get her back yep. to sleep and you give yourself about a half hour window to get her back to, sl- get her back yep. to sleep, she may not wake till one. At one, I would fully feed her and fully yep. feed her both sides so that she can push through the next feed window. Okay. And that will eventually bring it to one feed overnight. Okay. Thank yep. you. Pleasure. Good luck with that, Sarah. Thanks for your call. You're listening to Kindling Conversation, Kindling Helpline, I should say, on Kindling Conversation with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris has over 30 years' experience. She's here to answer your questions. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, pop your question below. If you're listening through your digital radio or on our app, you can give us a call. The number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. Our next question is from Rachel. Chris, she says, we're about to take our 10-month-old on a long-haul flight to Europe for the first time. Do you have any... Any tips on how we can help her to adjust to the new time zone and on the timing of her sleeps? Right, Rachel. So that probably will take me an hour to answer. So I'll just (laughs) have to give you my top tips because normally when I answer this question, I actually make up a flight plan for you, depending on what time you leave, where you're going and what time you're going to get there. And and we, we, we move the baby into the time frame that you're arriving in. So I'll have to give you a couple of top tips I think will be the easiest. So she's 10 months old um, and generally the the perception is that it, when you arrive in Europe, so whether it's midday that you arrive into Europe, she needs to think that it's midday in her time frame. So she will have had to have been up, you know, for about six hours before and had a little nap beforehand. Uh, The second thing is that they get very dehydrated. So I tend to give them fluid every three hours, but she can have one period of six hours where she's having a nice long sleep. So I don't usually let them sleep past six hours because they're dehydrating. So I make sure I get them up and give them a feed, even if they, a couple hours later, they go back and they have more sleep. So that's the second thing I would do. I would get to the airport earlier because babies do not move fast. So they, you need more time. So I would get there as the gate opens. And generally speaking, all the parents with babies will get there as the gate opens because they all think they're getting the bassinet seat. So it's a little bit on age and it's a little bit on who comes first, but more on age than comes first. So get there a little bit earlier. Um, and feed her every three hours. And then once you arrive, she needs to think it's midday or six o'clock in the morning. She needs to think it's that. So as soon as you get into your port of call in Europe, you need to make sure that 
that's where you start her day. So if she gets in there at lunchtime and normally she sleeps at 1.30, you've got to be able to put her down roughly around 1.30 or 2 o'clock for her sleep in the afternoon. Jet lag. So generally they have jet lag more coming home than going out. So she would have had to have had very little sleep um, to have jet lag going out. Um, so coming home, they have jet lag. And I just have this rule of doing for the first day, they first night that they wake up. So jet lag is when they wake up and they're as happy as lamb. So not waking up and crying, that's something different. So I'm happy, happy. So I usually just get them up for two hours and I put them down to bed and then I wake them up at the same time every morning. So their normal waking time. And the next night, an hour and a half, the third night, an hour. And the fourth night, I just resettle them. So that's the general jet lag. And the best way to get them into sequence once you arrive is sunshine. So if you give them sunshine, it um, gets the melatonin going and it helps to rectify them into the right time space. Good luck, Rachel. Good luck. Thank you for your question. And I hope you have a nice trip too. Yeah. I hope it works out for it's you. Great age to travel. Oh, there you go. And yeah. uh, we've got a question from Natasha. Thanks for writing your question, Natasha. We've got, she says, I have a four-month-old who's been unswaddled for the past nine days due to rolling in both directions as well as rotating 180 degrees in her cot overnight. Ever since, she's been waking up hourly. The worst was last night where we would pat her to sleep only to have her wake up five to 20 minutes later. The longest stretch we got was one and a half hours. Natasha, I hope you have a very strong coffee with you right now. I'm <laughs> I'm not sure if there are other things affecting her sleep. She had injections five days ago. She isn't reliant on any single method of getting her to sleep. For example, she can fall asleep with or without her dummy. She has also changed her day sleep pattern from having her one and a half hour sleeps in morning and afternoon to having a two to three hour sleep at midday. She seems very good so far and shorter sleeps on either side. Her normal night sleep pattern would be a sleep at 7 p.m., feed at 12 or 1 a.m. and uh, awake, uh, sorry, 12, no, 1 a.m. or not, 3 or 4 a.m.? No, and. And. So she has so two, two feeds overnight. Right. Okay, and wake up at 7 a.m. Yeah. So what to do about the, the frequency of the waking. Mm. So usually at four months, um, it's called an incidental roll. So it's not an intentional roll. So an intentional roll is a bigger baby who you put them down on the floor, they can see the toy over there, they roll over, they can pick the toy up, they lay on their back and then they roll over and go somewhere else. So lots of babies at four months do what they call an unintentional roll. So it's like an automatic flip. You put them down, they flip over, and you put them down, they flip over. And that usually dies off. So we we need a bit more information about, one, her rolling. So is she rolling in a bed and out of the bed? So sometimes they roll out but not in their bed. And whether she was unswattled. So what's it say, four months, who has been unswattled for the past nine days? My bet is she's been unswaddled too fast, that she needs to go back to being swaddled. So what I would do in this case is I'd put her in a sleeping bag and I'd get a a swaddle as in a, um, a wrap and I'd fold it in half and I'd put her on it and I'd wrap her up and I'd give her a cuddle and a pat and put her to bed. And then if she rolled off over, that swaddle would just fall away from her. So then she would be swaddle free if she rolled over. And what that might do is just give you back some sleep because <laughs> the last week I went and saw four-month-old twins or six, four-month-old twins, six months, they've been corrected. And uh, yeah, they'd been unwrapped and I wrapped them in that way with their sleeping bag on using a wrap and they slept for two and a half hours. 
So, Angel, I think you might have unswaddled too fast, but not aware of how to get that sleep back. And I would just use a wrap, fold in half, wrap her arms down, and then it will fall away. And that might give her back a sense of sleep. Good luck with that, Natasha. And remember, you can always come back on next week when we come back at midday. You can give us a call. Um, If you are listening and you'd like to give us a call and ask Chris some questions, the number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, just pop your question underneath and we'll get to as many as we can. also, I'd just like to mention that when you do call in, we can have a bit more of a back and forth. Or even if you're yeah. leaving a comment on Facebook, don't be afraid to get back in and add details yeah. if we say we need more because yeah. um, Chris is here to help you out and help guide you. Our next question is from Lisa. She says, what sleeps should an 11-month-old have? So the 11-month-old would have two sleeps in the day. They'd have one in the morning and one in the afternoon. So the morning one... Um, commonly is shorter um, for about an hour and the afternoon one about two to two and a half hours and the awake cycle for an 11 month old is about three to three and a half hours so for every three to three and a half hours they're awake we would put them down for a sleep so if they got up at six put them down about nine they might sleep from nine till ten and then put them down about one one thirty and hopefully they'd sleep to about three three thirty or maybe if you're lucky four and um, and then down at night around the 7 o'clock. So that's just the average um, baby of about 11 months. Good luck, Lisa. Hopefully that means that, you know, everything's going well for you. Yeah. <laughs> if you have any other questions, just if you're not getting that, give us a call and, and speak to Chris. The number is 1-800-KIDS-RADIO or pop your question below on the Facebook live, live feed. Now, before we go to our next question, which is from Anna, hang in there, Anna, um, I just want to mention our new wonderful program called Play and Learn, which is yeah. on every day at 10 a.m. It's fabulous. There's lots of fun activities like music time with Sam Moran and Lala. They've got creative learning activities and meditations. And the exciting thing is that every week there's a new theme. And anyone with children knows how much they love a good theme. This week, it's actually space, which um, both my kids would love. You can download our app free or listen live from 10 a.m. every day. The whole program has been made possible with the help of the Learning Sanctuary and Greenwood Early Education Centres, providing the best start for little learners. And for more info, just head to our website, which is kindling.com.au. Now, we have a question from Anna. She says, how do you handle a toddler who demands your attention all the time? My three-year-old won't let me have any time on my own, and she gets very upset when I'm with her at home and not spending time with her. Oh, that's tough, Anna. Um, Apparently, when she's with anyone else and I'm not there, she's fine. Of course she is. But if I'm within earshot or she knows I'm around, she will throw the most almighty tantrums. Know that feeling. Until I drop what I'm doing to be with her what tips have you got about that okay so at least (laughs) at least we know one thing she's perfectly okay um there's nothing really going wrong in her world other than she wants all your time and attention um because she can regulate herself when she's with other people so she's perfectly fine she's not calling for you she's not getting distressed the first question i'd have for anna is anna does she do any daycare or preschool And if so, how many days? So sometimes 
the little three-year-olds, especially the two to three-year-olds, they get a little bit confused because when we're at daycare, we have lots of time, there's lots of stimulation, there's lots of people to interact with. But when we go home and we're home with mummy, mummy's got to get things done. Put the washing on, go and play over there. Um, you know, I've got to get lunch ready or dinner ready. And they don't understand why you can't stop and be with them because that's the message they get through care. Um, so what we're going to do is do little windows. So for this little little lady, each time you need to do something, you need to set her up. So let's go over here. We're going to get your dolly house out. I'm getting the dolly house out. Mummy now needs to go and make our lunch. You've got to go and make your lunch, make the lunches. If she then carries on about you're not there with her the whole time, I think you just have to gently tell her, well, mummy will be back in a minute and you need to continue doing what you're doing in a sort of gentle approach initially. So I think she just thinks you're her best friend and hasn't realised that you're her mother. And sometimes that gets a little lost. So I would set her up um, for something to do and then just say, mummy will be back when I've made your lunch and my lunch and as soon as you finish lunch go back and play for five minutes and then go off and do something else you might have a cup of coffee and you want to sit down have a cup of coffee then you say mummy's just going to have a cup of coffee and then I'll be back and then when you finish the cup of coffee come back and then the the windows will get longer and longer and longer and it'll be more interactive and less structured she just needs a few structures and she hasn't realized that you're not her best friend just yet I love the idea of having a coffee without your children interrupting you. Yeah, it's a really good... I don't think I've ever done that. There's a book called The Idle Parenting, uh, The Idle Parent, and it's about how if you sit back and watch your child, then you see how they interact. So saying, I'm just having this cup of coffee and then I'll come and play, allows you to sit back and look at them and what they're doing. I'm getting this book. I want to be an idle parent. It doesn't mean idle as in ignore. It means idle as in watch and wonder. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah, the watch and wonder. (laughs) My kids don't let me watch them one. Not at all. Well, good luck, Anna. I hope it works for you. I'm going to apply some of that to my own children. You're listening to Kindling Helpline with Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. She's a Mothercraft nurse. She's also an author of Bringing Baby Home, a book that helps you with that initial stage of getting home, trying to find your own rhythm with your baby. Uh, But she's here today to answer your questions, whether you want to give us a call on 1800 Kids Radio or pop your question below if you're watching us on Facebook Live. We have a question here from Nilukshi. Um, She says, my five and a half month old goes to sleep only at around 9.30pm. I want to move it earlier. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Tried but failed. Any tips and how can I get him to sleep longer or is he too young? Okay. So there's probably a bit more information we need to do here. So generally the answer to the question to help you get it back into a reasonable time frame around 7, 7.30, is just keep sneaking his night back by 15 minutes till you get to the time frame you're looking for. So it, tonight I would put him down at 9.15 and in two or three nights I'd put him down at 9. Technically, he doesn't know the time of night it is. He just knows the sequence that you do. So I suspect he has a sleep too late in the afternoon. So he might be sleeping between... 5.30 and 7 and so what he's doing is another cycle before he's tired enough to go to sleep so I'd keep sneaking the time back a little bit for him so it's subtle you haven't gone from putting him down at 9.30 to putting him down at 7 and then he screams from 7 till 
And I'd also look at the end of the day. So I suspect he might be having, and I'm just making a surmise on a 9.30 baby going to sleep at 9.30. He's having a sleep between 5 and 7, whereas I would probably have him sleeping, say, the latest I'd have him sleeping is 4.30 to get him to bed at 7. So it's probably more about timing than anything. Uh, Tips about getting him to sleep, I think, um, first being consistent. So in his case, he's a five-month-old. He may or may not be wrapped. So wrapping, cuddling, putting him down um, at least two, if not three times in the day in his cot. So the more chaotic the signal is, the more chaotic his behaviour will be. So real consistency should help get him to go to sleep a little bit easier and to extend his sleep at night. Consistency is a real theme across everything, isn't it? And so people get stuck with consistency because they think consistency is the same time, but consistency is the same rhythm. So consistency is that I'll take you to a room, I'll calm you down, I'll put you in an appropriate, in this case probably a sleeping bag, I'll give you a cuddle and I will put you down. Um, It's not the routine of it's 7 o'clock so you must go to sleep. So it's the consistency and usually they're getting a chaotic so sometimes I cuddle, sometimes I put you down, sometimes I give you a dummy, sometimes I put you in the pram. And that's chaotic and they can't learn as well. It's interesting. Well, I hope that helps for you, Nilukshi. We have a question from Kerry. I have a seven and a half week old who is breastfed. Oh, that's a tiny baby. Yeah, it's a she, one. Yes, she's unsettled from late afternoon to, uh, to late uh, evening. Yeah. Not so much fun. How do I know if she's got colic? She seems to be unsettled when trying to pass wind. She seems to be swallowing fast when feeding and sometimes swallowing in air. Any tips or advice? And that's from Kerry. Kerry, she is young. She's seven and a half weeks. So I would be expecting that you would have an extended unsettled period in the late afternoon and early evening. So it could be anything from six o'clock at night till 10 o'clock at night or seven till 11 or four till eight. So one thing is to understand that what you're experiencing to a certain degree is normal, that in that time frame they often cluster feed. So she might feed at six, eight and 10 and then sleep for you. And that that period of unsettledness will decrease by about somewhere between nine and 12 weeks. So she seems to um, feed very quickly. So she this sort of quick feeding can be a number of things and because we're not speaking it's most commonly uh, a strong letdown so I just recline yourself a little bit um, get her sort of above and feeding and then when her fast feeding slows down sit yourself back up again so just do it in a slow motion that should calm that feed down it's a very old-fashioned thing but it works so should calm it down therefore she'll take in more air Um, and therefore she might be a little bit more relaxed and a little bit easier for you. Well, good luck with that, Kerry. And also just uh, letting everyone know that we've probably got about five minutes left, so we'll answer the next two questions, and apologies if we haven't got to your question yet. Thank you for all your comments and emails through. Um, We have a question from Lisa who asks, how can I toilet train my nearly three-year-old boy? He still asks for a nappy and doesn't want to use the potty. Oh, God love him. He's got all the control. I want a nappy. (laughs) And you go, okay. Who who likes toilet training? Yeah. So what we have to do is is I would change his thought pattern on it. So for a week, I would toilet time him. So this is different to toilet training him. So toilet timing is where an adult initiates the child going to the toilet. Toilet training is where we allow the child to initiate going to the toilet. 
And I think he's got a bit of a mixed message here. He sort of likes all the words, but actually I want to go back to what's secure, which is my nappy. So it sounds like um, he's in underwear because it says he asked for a nappy. So this is a really common thing when they're learning to do a poop in the toilet. So the security is to go back to my nappy, but actually they're doing their wheeze in the toilet really well. So we're not sure whether that's what's happening here. But um, if it's just about the pooping in the nappy, we actually just give him the nappy and he will grow out of it. In a couple of months, we just say, no, today we're going to do them in the big boy's toilet. If it's generally toileting completely, as in that if he does a wee, he wants to put the nappy on, I think you're going to have to start to just gently edge him towards, come on, mummy's going to be there with you, sit him on the toilet, and make sure the toilet is set up for him. So a soft insert, uh, a step that he can get up with, and the timing to let him do it. So if he wants to stand, he can stand if it's doing wees. So I think one is that we have to assume that this has got to do with his poops because he's asking for the nappy. You can do that for a little while and then in time we just say, okay, the best way to get him off it is you say, I've only got 10 nappies left after the 10 nappies. That's it. There's no more nappies. So I probably need to talk to Lisa to find out where that actually just fits into it. Yeah, because what I was going to mention just from my Mm. own personal experience, not being a mothercraft nurse, Mm. but um, my son definitely was more interested in using the toilet when he saw his older cousin do it because he wanted to be like his cousin. So if there are any older boys, Lisa, I don't know if that is part of the might help but well, that's um, that's the whole way they learn like the the little ones the two-year-olds at daycare they're going i need to go to the toilet but actually they're just following everybody going to the toilet they haven't synchronized it with their body and where their body's at um but this sounds this sounds very typical of a boy um of a three-year-old boy and it's about doing a poop and not mm. the general idea of I toilet like how you say poop Poop. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very polite way. Well, I say it? that word a lot. So <laughs> you have to have a gentle way of saying, well, not another poo story. <laughs> oh, yeah. I understand. Well, our last question comes from Jaden. Jaden, thanks for your question. It says, My five year old is really outgoing when he's with me and my wife and when we go out in public. But when we go out in public or we go and visit the grandparents, he just shuts down completely. He's even cried when he can't see myself or his mum when we go out. I'm a bit worried because we are now expecting bub number two. Yep. My wife is six months pregnant and we're going to have to teach him that he has to be okay with other people outside yeah. our tight little family unit, particularly when we're bleary-eyed and zombie-like with his yeah. new brother or sister. It's good that we know the second yeah. time round what's coming. Yeah. Um, what can we do to help him be okay? It's really upsetting and I just want him to know that we love him so much. Oh, That's really nice, Jaden. I think he's just had lots of your time. In all honesty, I think just take the time. When's our next baby due? In a couple of months. Mm. Yeah, so I would take the time. The good thing about a five-year-old is talking to them. Not talking at them, but talking to them. So, you know, we're going over to grandma's today. When we get to grandma's, I'd like you to say hello to grandma. Um, We're going to have a cup of tea with grandma and then we'll go home. So don't talk lots, just talk in really short sentences about the expectation and telling him what's going to happen. So lots of that reassurance as we get to people. I wouldn't force him, like if if I walked into your house, I wouldn't force him to say hello or to be with me. I'd let that come with time and when he felt secure enough to do it. So then we get to this next little baby coming. So lots of reassurance at the moment. He's five. He's probably going off to daycare to a certain or preschool. 
or he may even be at school. So hopefully he's okay in that setting. And if he is, then this is just about the relationship. He thinks you're the little unit, the three of you. So then we come to the new baby. So what I would do for him, because he's a little bit anxious about being left and it has to be mummy and daddy, is I would um, make a little calendar for him. Obviously, it has no dates on it because we don't know when this little person's coming. And we would say that mummy needs to go to the hospital for four nights, whatever she's going. So we do four nights and we ride on there. Grandma will come and look after you. Daddy will put you to bed. Grandma will take you off to preschool. Daddy will pick you up. And you might even have a picture of grandma. Then you have a picture of the hospital. Um, You'll have the picture of the visit to the baby in there. Um, the day the baby comes home. I think for him it's important that the day the baby comes home, he comes home with you. So you both go and get the baby and mummy and you both bring them back so that he sees you now as a unit of four. So, But the calendar works really, really well for this type of thing. And then lots of reassurance and lots of telling him that he's okay, we're going to grandma's, we're okay, you're going to play at Jimmy's place, um, we're going to the park to see Anna you know those types of things and and then just keep slowly putting him into the position where you want him to be and then give him some reassurance walk away a little bit leave them alone good luck Jaden. thank you for your questions and thank you everyone for um, your questions whether you emailed us called us or, or joined us on facebook live we'll be back uh, next monday at midday if you have questions that you would like to ask chris feel free to email us it's conversation at kindling.com.au you can always text us on 0437 665 200 chris thank you so much for coming pleasure You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.